0: This is in Christ. Because if we're not, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. I mean, look what it says in verse 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. See, the nest for a bird was a place of protection. It was their home. It was where they stored food and all these things. But how many people are wandering from their place because they're unsatisfied? People are wandering from their marriages, wandering from their families, wandering from their careers because they're not satisfied. But the thing is, is what they're looking for isn't going to satisfy them either.
1: As people, we are constantly seeking satisfaction. Pastor Daniel will give us real life examples in his teaching today as we try to understand how to be truly satisfied. We'll find that satisfaction originates in relationship with Jesus and radiates out to everything in our lives. In him, every facet of our lives is fulfilled and we find satisfaction. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled "One Liners." Jesus is
0: real. A real friend will not just allow you to be off the rails without talking to you and that's why a direct friend reproof an open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed you would rather have someone who loves you enough to tell you straight on that they're concerned about a decision you make than someone who says i love you but you never know it so the privilege of friendship is an open rebuke now it doesn't stop there it actually keeps going because look what it says in verse six faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, (laughs) one of the privileges of friendship is that your closest friends will hurt you. Their wounds come from close relationships. And now, how many of us, I want to, some of you right now, you've gotten wounded in relationships, and so you, You erect a wall so nobody hurts you again. But then you realize you're never really having a real relationship with anybody after that. If you don't allow people into your hearts to the place where they can wound you, then you're really not having a relationship. You are an island. Was it Simon and Garfunkel? I am a rock. I am an island. I touch no man and no man touches me. That's not life. That's being dead while you're alive. And many of us, because one of the privileges of friendship is that somebody can wound you and hurt you, is that we keep everybody at an arm's distance, but you're never going to have the type of relationships you want when you're living that way. See, one of the privileges of friendship is that you allow people to get in and you can get wounded by them. My friends, Jesus calls us friends and he hung on a cross. One of the privileges of friendship is that when you somebody cares enough about you to call you out and it actually hurts. Because the alternative, of course, in verse six, tells us that the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And obviously, if you've read your Bible, right away you think about Judas in Mark chapter 14. Remember, he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He lavished a display of affection on Jesus, but he was betraying him. See, one of the privileges of friendship is not an, an illusion of caring, but somebody who cares enough about you to potentially wound you. Because, listen, when somebody openly rebukes you, doesn't that hurt? It leaves a scar. You feel a bit like, whoa. But one of the privileges of friendship is somebody who cares about you enough, because faithful are the wounds of a friend. My prayer is that for all of us, we have friends in our lives who will openly rebuke us, who will potentially wound us if they were so scared. Because the alternative is no, see, I use the same example for this. I think this is so important. Imagine if you're in downtown Vancouver, right, and you, and you get in your car, and as you're getting on to I-5, you realize that the entire bridge in between Vancouver and Portland, it breaks. Literally, the, the whole road falls out. And you saw it happen, right? It's kind of a, it's a, it's a provocative image. Now, and people are barreling down I-5, right? Now, if you love those people, do you just sit on the side of the road and watch all these people barrel down I-5 into sure destruction? Is that what a loving thing to do is? I don't think so. A loving thing to do would be to stop and get out of your car and get in the middle of the road and try and stop everybody at the risk of your own life. Why? Because if you don't, they're going to die. See, I think too many of us, we just want to be loved, but we don't really care about people. This is why for me, when I, when I started following Jesus, immediately I started sharing my faith because I started realizing if I really believe that Jesus is the only way, God's way for a person to be right with God and have a relationship with him, then if that's actually true, then if I don't share that with people, then I actually don't care about anybody. They can go to destruction, who cares? as long as they like me as a person. (laughs) A lot of us are like that right now, right? You believe in Jesus. You believe that you are a child of God because Jesus died on a cross and rose again, and you're not telling anybody because you're scared that they might dislike. You know what I've learned? My friends love me more because I'm willing to tell them the truth. And I'm willing to say, look, the reason I'm telling you this is because I believe that Jesus is the only way for a person to know God and a person to have a surety that when they die, they can be in heaven with God. And if I didn't tell you that, it would mean I didn't love you. That's why I'm talking to you about it. And they'll be like, Daniel, I know you love me. I don't know if I agree with it, but I know that you love me. What I found is that too often as Christians, we don't care enough to share. We, we don't care enough. You see a friend and they're making horrible decisions and you're like, well, who am I to say anything? Well, if you're a friend, you're going to say something. A friend cares enough to share. A friend, if you see somebody who's going to ruin their life, a friend says, look, I love you. You're going to ruin your life right now. But a person who won't open their mouth is not a friend. Don't really care. So one of the privileges of friendship is that you get... Sometimes your friends hurt you because they care enough about you. You go to verse 9. It's a beautiful thing. Ointment and perfume delight the heart. Ointment can also be translated incense. So the idea of something that's got a fragrant smell is a delight to the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. That literally is counsel of the soul. So one of the privileges of friendship is that it's like a perfume or incense. It smells good and it's a delight. The counsel of the soul of a friend is a privilege. Do you have friends who speak into your life the things of God? Give you soul counsel, so to speak. Verse 10, notice. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. A friend who is available is better than a relative who is not. One of the privileges of friendship is you have people who are around and they're available to you. This reminds me of Proverbs 20, verse 6, speaking about faithful friendship. Most men will proclaim their own goodness But who can find a faithful friend? Who can find a faithful friend? See, friendship has its privileges, doesn't it? You have biblical counsel. You have an open rebuke. You have the potential of wounds from somebody who cares enough. You have proximity and availability. Of course, in verse 17... As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen might be the best verse on Christian discipleship you can find. As iron sharpens iron, so a man the countenance of his friend. What it means is that when you have the privilege of a godly friendship, that person will sharpen your character. Somebody who will challenge you and not let you rest on your laurels and call you out on stuff, and you grow thereby. And and the idea is that when you want to sharpen iron, you can use iron iron to sharpen it. Some translations have the idea of iron sharpening iron. It literally means to get on top of it. And the idea is that if you have some steel and then you put it with two pieces of steel, what happens? It's doubly strong. And in the same way, that's what a faithful, godly friend will do, is they will strengthen and undergird your life by their strength. You gotta ask yourself, are you growing in a relationship with people that includes discipleship? Or you got someone who can call you out on stuff, who's willing to love you enough to give you a hard time, somebody who's available in your life, somebody who is helping you grow. After this summer series in Proverbs, I'm gonna be starting a brand new series called The Art of Living. Because one of my biggest fears in the body of Christ is that we hear the Bible but we're actually not growing. Like, like, we know the word, but we're not living the word that we know. And I think one of the main reasons we are is you can come to church and you can hear the word, and then you have nobody asking you how you're actually doing in light of this stuff. Like, you hear beware of boasting, but you just boast the whole time, or friendship has its privileges, but you don't have any friends who actually care enough about you to share. And you can hear this stuff, and it never integrates into life. And it's my biggest prayer that as as a church family, that we all are in these deep discipleship relationships. Because you know what happens? If you don't have people who are discipling and pouring into your life, you will end up becoming the sum total of the people closest to you. That's why I've always said, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You're gonna end up being the sum average of the five people closest to you. Now you gotta ask yourself, is that really who you want to be? See, True discipleship, you have people who sharpen you, who make you stronger, who make you better, who love you enough to be like, that's not okay. You can't act that way. You shouldn't act that way. Because friendship has its privileges. And we need to find biblical, helpful friends. See, constructive criticism delivered in the right way in relationship develops character. That's what it does. Now... To move on from there, so we saw, beware of boasting. Friendship has its privileges. Now look at verse 7 here. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Verse 8, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Verse 19, as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. So what we learn here is two simple words, and that is that we need to be satisfied. We need to be satisfied. I mean, it starts with this simple idea A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now think about that picture. Now you got to realize that the honeycomb, when when I think of honeycombs, of course, I think of the breakfast cereal, right? The honeycomb was the high fructose corn syrup, the refined sugar, the brown sugar, the liquid sugar, the liquid sugar in refined sugar mix. It was the sweetener of the day. It was long before all natural stevia and all this other stuff. You just had honeycomb. And what it's saying is that to a soul that is satisfied, the sweetest thing, you don't even need it because you're satisfied. But to somebody who is unsatisfied, even a bitter thing is sweet. Like, let me give you an example of this. I, I try and find real world examples of this stuff. So that when I say it, you'd be like, oh yeah, it makes sense. How many of you have ever gone out to dinner with somebody who like the server ends up with carpal tunnel by the time all the variables of their meal is done? You know, somebody like that, where like, yeah, can I get number seven, but can I have it without this and with this? Can I have it 180 degrees? You know, you have all these things, right? And so, like, the poor servers, like, some of you guys are putting your hands on your heads right now, like, that's me, right? And, like, they're writing it down, writing it down, and the poor servers, like, a deer in headlights, they know it's not going to go good, because then, sure enough, when all this stuff comes out, like, I didn't want olives, <laughs> right? And they send it back, yeah, I can't eat this right? It's like, because it has olives on it or something. It's just like, it's the end of the earth, right? But then you imagine somebody who is homeless, they would do anything for all that, right? And how many times you, you're at a restaurant, you walk out of the restaurant, there's someone in there and they'll just take anything. See, that's the difference between somebody who is satiated and somebody who is not. See, it's a first world problem to be like, I can't eat this and I can't eat that. You know, no one's gluten-free when they're starving, and I'm not knocking gluten-free, but like when someone can't eat, you just eat whatever you can get, right? See, when, this, when somebody is satisfied, a honeycomb, it's sweet, but I have lots of sweet food. But when somebody is unsatisfied, any, they'll take anything. See, this is important because Jesus has come to offer satisfaction to people. Like, I'll give you a great example. People are looking for love. It's like a universal human condition. People want to be loved. But you know what happens when someone doesn't know Jesus, they will accept any old, broken version of love that's possible. Because all you want is to be loved. Sure, that person loves you, and they hurt you, and they hit you, and they take advantage of you, but they love me. Listen, when you come to know Jesus, you realize that that's not real love. See, to a satisfied soul, you start to realize what I'm really, who I really am. And see, you and I need to find our satisfaction in Christ because that soul satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus will then define all the other ways I look at the world. See, we have to be satisfied in Christ because if we're not, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. I mean, look what it says in verse 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. See, the nest for a bird was a place of protection. It was their home. It was where they stored food and all these things. But how many people are wandering from their place because they're unsatisfied? People are wandering from their marriages, wandering from their families, wandering from their careers because they're not satisfied. But the thing is, is what they're looking for isn't going to satisfy them either. That's the thing. Because know what we find here. If you go down a bunch of verses, I had read it earlier in verse... um, 20, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. See, what it's saying is that the abode of the dead, hell and destruction, it's never full. It's not like, okay, yeah, uh, there's uh, no vacancy in hell. There's, There's always room for more. And in the same way, when somebody is in the flesh, when somebody is not allowing Jesus to satisfy their soul, there is never enough. You'll never make enough money. You'll never have enough possessions. You'll never have enough toys. You'll never have enough channels on your computer. Your internet will never be fast enough. You'll never have the best technology. Why? Because you are seeking to satisfy yourself in a way that will never truly satisfy you because Jesus is designed to be your satisfaction. So, what happens is, is you're like, I, just, I, I long for love, and everybody does. But when you meet Jesus, you realize that, oh, Jesus fulfills my longing for love, and now I can actually have a healthy relationship with another person because I'm not looking to them to completely complete me, no matter what Tom Cruise says. That was another one liner you complete me. It's working so good for Tom, right? No person can complete Jesus. completes you, and that person gets to share in the completeness that you have in Christ. But if you don't find that completeness, you're always looking for someone who completely. You date lousy guys, terrible girls; it never works. You're always looking for the next one. And then, right as you land the person that you want, then you're on the train. Like, oh, well, they're this, and they snore, and they have bad breath after they eat sushi or whatever. And so, I need someone who doesn't have any hair on their arms, you know. And it's like, and then you. you, you I'm just making this up And then you leave them And you go find somebody else And then you start dating them And okay I got it Yeah yeah And then oh but I can't believe it They listen to talk radio I mean who listens to the radio You know or whatever it is And it's never satisfied Same thing You're like man I'll be satisfied When I make a little bit more money So I can buy a new house And you buy a new house And you know what happens Somebody buys the lot next to you And they build a custom house and they got, they got not only the, the three-car garage, but they have, like, the RV garage in the back. And you're like, oh, man, I, my house is just a piece of junk. You know, and, and, like, and you could do this in any area, and all of a sudden what you find is that you're constantly grasping for something that will never be satisfied. Because when you bake everything down, what you find is that what you're really looking for only comes in Christ. Because, like... Let me give you an example. Many people worried about retirement, right? So it's like you save and you save and you save and you get your retirement account and then you retire, right? But you have no peace about retirement even when you hit your retirement number. Why? Because what you're really looking for is security about the future. And guess what? No matter what the number is in your bank account, you will not have security for the future. You know where that comes from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from saying, Lord, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but I trust you. And I trust that you will not keep your kids begging bread. You're looking for security. You're trying to find it in a bank account or in an annuity or in a pension plan or the stock market, which is a fool's errand, trying to find security in the stock market, you know? But it's like, you're trying to find it there. You're trying to find love, so you're grasping for love. It's never satisfied until you know the love of Jesus. And then you realize that whoever you're loving, they're imperfect and so am I. But God has called me to build a family with this person, with their quirks and their good parts and their bad parts, and, and you become content in that love. That's why Jesus said, "'Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, "'for they shall be," what? Satisfied. Are you unsatisfied today? Are you like that great English theologian Mick Jagger? I can't get no satisfaction. It's a great song with a great intro bass line. We all dig it, because everyone digs the bass, amen? but there's satisfaction available for you in Christ. And that's why it says in 1 Timothy chapter six, verse six, that godliness with contentment is what? It's great gain. There is great gain when somebody finds Jesus and becomes godly and then learns how to be content with what God's hand has provided. Godliness with contentment is great gain because we need to be satisfied. Now, I'll be honest, our next point is hands down my favorite, and I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm telling you up front, I just think this is so rad, and I love that this is in the Bible. I love Look at verse 14. So good. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. A continual dripping on a very rainy day, and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Okay, you ready for this one? This is deep. You guys ready? You think you're really ready? Don't be annoying. (laughs) This is the counsel. Don't be annoying. In each one of these verses, you have these two cases of an annoyance when somebody is being annoyance. The first one, verse 14, he who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Now, how many of you here are not morning people? That's why you're at the second service, you're like, who's going that's why I'm here 1115, right? Now, imagine what it's like when you're not a morning person And sure enough, somebody shows up at five in the morning. Hey, it's so great to see you. Oh, it's a great day, right? How does that go? That goes bad. It goes bad. Why? Because that person is being annoying. See, now, listen. I give my son Obadiah a hard time. Why? Because he's me. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right, So Obadiah is my guy who at all hours of the morning he wants to chit chat. So he's the guy who is like 3.30 in the morning and Obadiah comes busting in the the room and everyone's sleeping and he's like, dad, I was just reading about helicopters and I want to build a helicopter. And I'm just like, I'm going to stick you in a helicopter. I want to kill him when he does that. Jesus is real.
1: We need to be satisfied. That's one of the takeaways from today's message as we considered friendship as it's written about in Proverbs. We seek satisfaction through a lot of things food, relationships, jobs but end with emptiness. Jesus offers real satisfaction. Every morning, most of us do the same thing. We get up and push the button on the most important appliance in our house, the coffee maker. (laughs) A hot, steamy cup of coffee magically appears, and we get our day started. This month, we want to be a part of that morning ritual. We always like to say thank you to those that choose to support Jesus Is Real Radio. This month, for anyone who gives a donation of any amount, plus shipping and handling, to Jesus is Real Radio, well, we'll send you a Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Every morning, you can fill up your Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug and remember to pray for us. We want to see God do amazing things through Jesus is Real Radio, and you can help. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the partner option to receive your own Jesus Is Real Radio coffee mug. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel share about how to consider how we bless our friends or annoy them. Sometimes our zeal for our faith leads to badgering our friends. We have to be thoughtful, even in our excitement. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, God's Tweets. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.